Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, painting wind turbines, ribbing around the UK, square waves, American snacks and whale or dolphin, you decide. Now Lippy. Hello. It's my birthday today. Oh my God, don't. (laughs) I was like... No, it's definitely not, but it will be, yes. <laughs> it, it will be when this goes out, yes. Oh, the um, panic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't require anything. No. I've, I've got to an age where I just don't really care anymore about birthdays. No, a nice meal with the fam. Well, a nice meal. <laughs> oh, I won't come then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Wife of Grumpy's planning a vegan extravaganza. Oh, is she now? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, That's interesting, because uh, Duck Boy's diet is meat and veg, so... Oh, well, it's the veg bit. Yeah, veg. That's all right. Easy. Oh, it's perfect without the meat, but I guess there will be a meat-based accompaniment. Maybe. We'll have to just have to wait and see, won't we? We'll wait and see what comes out. Anyway, the last episode, I think I made a bit of a boo-boo, when we yeah. were talking about Doom, and I gave a Twitter feed for things that doom will run on and i yes. called it can it run zoom which of course oh, is wrong no. it's can it run doom can it run doom yes yeah i don't think zoom would be quite hard for it to run well zoom's interesting because zoom is obviously the name of the teleconferencing mm. app that we all love and hate in equal yes. measures <laughs> Uh, but it's also the name on our portable equipment mm. as well. So it's uh, two different companies. So it oh, does okay. get confusing. Yes. Anyway, so apologies for that if you're hunting down odd things that um, teleconferencing can run on. And you said to me about an advert you'd seen for Spreadsheet recently. Yes. By some chance, um, and I probably should have bought a lottery ticket last week, uh, mm. I managed to find... And it was back from the 90s, and it was typically 90s when you look at the suits and the hair. Yeah. And uh, it was exactly as you said. It was uh, two chaps on the left, one of them panicking, and the other one working on what is a very clunky computer. It really was, wasn't it? (laughs) Really very, very clunky, Uh, as they were in 1992 when this was released. So, uh, yeah, so if you if you search on YouTube for Introduction to Microsoft Excel 1992, you'll find the, the lift incident. Mm. And, uh, yeah, definitely suits of that age. Yes, say. it does, yeah. Uh, Feels okay. very 90s when you're watching it. It doesn't seem that long ago, though, that's the thing. Mm. Over 26 years ago. Yeah, it's probably the last suit I bought was about then. <laughs> Certainly last suit for work. I haven't worn one in a very long time. Mm. Now, I saw Davros last week at a Lions meeting. I did. And ah. he, I'd kept a copy of Private Eye from some months back, which mm. had a cartoon about Daleks in it. And I know how much he loves Daleks, being the creator of all such things. Anyway, he very surreptitiously passed me this folder full of his prized cartoons. <laughs> Which I've been looking at, but I'd be very careful not to have any drinks or any food anywhere near Yes, it. and very so clean hands. and Very clean hands and no chance of spilling anything on it whatsoever. So I'm, I'm working my way through those and having a bit of a titter, as they say. So, oh, a bit of a titter. Yeah, a bit of a titter. So, Davros, if you're listening, thank you very much. You will get them back in the same condition they were um, mm. passed over in. And I will keep an eye out for 
suitable private eye cartoons to add to your collection. Now, you contacted me during the week to say something about a news beach report. I did, yes. And I know nothing about this, unless you've told me and I've forgotten. I've told you and you've forgotten. Okay. <laughs> when I drive home from work, it's the six o'clock one that I always catch. It's the, normally the first thing I hit the, on the radio when I get into the car. And it really did give me a giggle on the way home this time. So obviously, they were talking about petrol prices, which is... Obviously yeah. a key subject at the moment, I think, for most news stations. Yes, I think um, and they had done a art well done a bit on um they were asking people to text in to say what was the most expensive petrol they'd seen on their travels around. And these days on Radio One, I don't know if it's the same on other radio stations, but on Radio One, they do voice they get people to do voice notes so you can hear the oh, people yes. talking yeah. rather than just reading out messages. So it was going through and some people were saying some different numbers. And then one guy goes, I passed one the other day and it was £204.90. <laughs> and, and I was like, I just burst out laughing because it really made me giggle. Because I thought that for so long, I just didn't understand petrol pricing. It wasn't I thought it was hundreds. I just didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. And it did take me a very long time to realise it was in pence so it's actually like one pound and 84 pence but in all in pence yes if it was 204 pounds it would cost twelve thousand two hundred forty pounds yes. to fill up a 60 litre tank yes definitely but that wasn't the only part of this news beat that ah. that was confusing there was a lady who came on that was explaining her how it's affected her or how much fuel it has gone up by by saying the following i fill up 30 pound a day so it's costing me between 150 and 200 pound a week in the pandemic it only used to cost me 90 pound to fill my tank that doesn't that's not equal measurements of <laughs> no you're comparing apples with pears there yeah so that's... she could still be spending 30 pound a day on petrol but just filling up her tank once to £90, it really confused uh, me. It no, wasn't a colorating example. The, the maths doesn't make any sense mm. in that whatsoever. At the start, she's talking about how much how much in pounds she's filling up. Anyway, I, don't even, I can't even work it out, to be honest with you, actually. No, I'm not... Well, if she only puts £30 at each visit... Well, she was saying... She fills up £30 a day. Did she say what she did for a living? Something something in a van. Okay, so presumably it's a variable mileage per day. Mm. I don't know. It, you it wasn't relatable. Well, what is the point? I mean, exactly. Is she trying to argue that petrol prices aren't high? Yeah, you don't, I don't know. Or too high, which they are. <laughs> you still don't know, do you? Because you don't know how, how far that £90 got her. <laughs> But, but what's the point? She doesn't seem to be making it any sort of point, invalid or not, just that she puts £30 a day in a van. But, yeah, and it used to be £90 to fill up the whole tank. And it's now only £30. Well, I don't think, yeah, doesn't make sense. I think statistically you'd call that an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> or a numpty. It does cross my mind, though, that it's a bit negative what is the most expensive petrol you found? Surely as a broadcasting corporation, they should be finding the cheapest petrol. Yeah. And I still have a sneaky little cheapy one near where I work in Reading at the Tesco. 
Mm, I'd be very careful with cheapy ones. I think well, it's we may not have cheap. said this before. It's well, relatively cheaper. cheap. Yeah, slightly it's cheaper. 178 pence. Yeah, so you see we're in 190 at the moment. Mm, so we're not even that high. We're 183 yeah. at the end of our road. But that's a small petrol station, so they pay the spot price on delivery. Uh. And the problem is when, a, when the price goes up and the tanker comes in, it takes them much longer to shift that petrol because people mm. tend to buy it elsewhere. Um, but I, I've got a contact that puts very cheap diesel in a car and it ran dreadfully for um, well, until the tank was empty and filled up with some expensive Proper diesel. One, yeah. So, yeah, so cheap diesel isn't necessarily worth it, to be honest. No. Now, we've talked about cryptocurrency and bitcoins in the past. Mm. And I know Duck Boy is a bit of a fan, fan of them. And mm, I think, not so much well, anymore. No, well, they've been going up and down like a, a yo-yo. He sold all of his quite a couple of months ago, just before the big dip, but oh, okay, forgot to well, tell me to sell mine. Uh, I'd hang on, they'll go back up again. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I've lost about £90, so there's no point taking it out now. Yeah, I don't think I, I add a little bit every month, and I'm continuing to do that with Bitcoin. I've stopped doing it with Tezos, because that really was all over the place. Mm. Anyway, so a Bitcoin family who basically turned all of their capital into Bitcoins some years ago, and uh, they are now emigrating to Portugal because it has a 0% tax on cryptocurrencies. Interesting. So they've been able to spend the last five years traveling to 40 different countries based on the increase in their Bitcoin holding. And um, yeah, so they're going to settle in in Portugal uh, because they don't tax them. And And Portugal's a nice place to settle. It's a very nice place. They're very welcome in Portugal. Mm. I remember when there was, obviously there's been a lot of angst around us leaving the EU and uh, they're quite keen to continue to offer golfing trips to the Brits. Yes, uh, they are. So they made it a lot easier for us to come here, which I thought was very sensible, mm. really, instead of arguing, just, uh, just make it easier for them. So if you've got a shed load of Bitcoins, when they go back up in value, then um, Portugal's the place to go. Nice. Now, we're a bit of a fan of uh, generating electricity without using fossil fuels. Yes, yeah. But as everyone should be. <laughs> well, as they should be, but not everybody, and for, for various reasons. Uh, one of the things about wind turbines is that they confuse the birds and they fly into the blades and they get chopped in half. Oh, I didn't know that. Is, yes, quite. Um, it's a bit traumatic. But it is. it does happen because they just can't see it. But you think we paint them so they're not obvious in the sky. Uh, then birds who will quite happily fly full pelt into a window yes and fall down chimneys mm. um it's not beyond uh, comprehension that they would fly into a wind turbine so in norway they change the color of one of the blades bearing in mind these are normally three bladed yeah uh, windmills change one of them to from white to black and it's resulted in a 70 percent drop in the number of bird deaths mm. which is very simple. It's very simple, but I guess it just breaks up the movement. Yes, well, they can see something's not right there. Mm, and avoid it. And presumably they, they avoid it. So I don't know what would happen if you painted them all black. Whether you mm. get that, that number down even further. Yeah, so I thought that was very good. So I'd like to see more of that, please. More, more one-winged black t- well, or turbines. Another, well, or painted them 
black. But then somebody else will complain because it's uh, affecting their view. So you can't win yes. with this sort of stuff. Yes, no, no. Vicious cycle. Yes, and talking of which, there's permissions being granted for exploratory drilling near us for gas. Oh, no. Um, well, the problem is, is that we all use gas. And yeah. Interestingly, walking past a new development last week, spotted that none of them had solar panels on the roof. So new developments aren't, they're not required to make any effort at the moment to reduce our um, demands on no. electricity and gas. If we're going to continue and use it and not have countries that invade other countries supplying us with gas, then we've got to find it elsewhere. It yes. really is as simple as that. And mm. whilst I would much rather have alternative energy sources, apparently you can burn grass to make, or do something with grass to uh, to make gas. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, Feed it to a got, cow and then catch the farts. Uh, well, possibly. <laughs> but you've, you've still then got to have grass growing on a field that maybe you should be growing food on so mm. it's as Al murray would say it's a lot more complicated than that and these things tend to be yes they so, do yeah so the conversation we had here was well they shouldn't be doing it well maybe we should um and i know we should be perhaps having other forms of generating electricity like wind and sea sea would be a good one because it's oh, constant yeah, yeah. But, um, that's takes time to get into place and the next big thing we've got is no fossil fuel only vehicles in a couple of years. Mm. So there's more demand for electricity. Anyway, that's that. I'm getting off a soapbox now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. But it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of nimbyism, I think. There. So I heard this on another podcast, one of my favourites, Sniff and Smith, and um, it was a throwaway comment about somebody's house being sold without his knowledge. And there's a an article in the Metro from November last year of a gentleman who was working away in Wales and got a phone call from his neighbours saying somebody was in the house, got back to his house in Luton uh, to find that it had been stripped of all of the belongings and building work was taking place. And huh? the shocked house owner was ordered to get out by the new owner's father who told him you're trespassing. So it turns out that his identity, so the guy who owned the house originally, his mm. identity had been stolen. Oh my and, God. And they managed to sell his house and pocketed £131,000. It is utterly, utterly bad. And like, what do you do in that situation? Because it's neither of the people's fault. No, exactly. It's a bit like when you inadvertently buy a stolen car. Yeah. And I but more dramatic because it's actually someone's home that they live in. Considerably. Uh, so the police told him initially that no fraud had been committed as the land registry documentation showed the new owner's name and that it was a civil matter. It's not very helpful. I wonder what they did with all his stuff. I don't know. Mad. Oh, God, that would be the worst thing ever, wouldn't it? It, it would be. Also, though, that means that that couple probably view bought the house without viewing it. I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe got the guy got, well, the scammer got key somehow, broke in. Changed a lot. Depends, I suppose, how long he'd been working away from. Mm. Or rather. Oh, so it's been covered by Radio 4, You and Yours. And You and Yours discovered a driving license had been used to impersonate the owner. And a bank account was set up in his name. Is that all you need to set up a bank account and it's a driving license? I thought. I mean, I've set a few digital ones up and you have to do a recording. And normally... You show your driving license, and presumably they look at the photo on there, but 
it's a photo of the driving license, whether you could doctor it. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, so the Land Registry said very small number of fraudulent transactions were registered each year, despite their efforts. And a total of £3.5 million was paid to victims of fraud by the government department last year. So, it's obviously, it goes on. Well, does that mean that he'll get the money to buy a new house? That's a very good question. Like, or, or money to the value of his house? Because, like... Well, he obviously wasn't ready to move out. Well, no, but presumably any mortgage was paid off out of that because the solicitor, the buyer's solicitor, oh, no, actually, maybe not, but there would have been a charge on the house from the mortgage people, so it would have had to have been paid for them to release the title, I think. Yes. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a conveyancing Very solicitor. But <laughs> because they, they used to hold on to the house deeds, but I don't think that happens anymore. Or at least I hope not, because we're going through the process of selling my mum's house and we can't find them. <laughs> oh, bit of, bit no. Of a worry. <laughs> but I have to burn it down for the insurance money. Yeah. Oh, no, don't, you can't say that on a podcast. They'll oh, no. find it. Well, no. Take well, part. Seven people that are listening. Yeah. And they're all in Kuala Lumpur or somewhere. Oh, no, Garnia, wasn't it? Garnia. 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 Now, a friend of mine who watches a lot of YouTube videos, mostly on gardening and historic uh things it has to be said sent me a link to this chap called harry dwyer who is going round the uk in a four meter rib which is not very big no or it's very very stable by the sounds oh it's very stable it's got it's because it's got a hull um it it is quite stable it's not as stable as a bigger one but more stable than a completely inflatable boat anyway so i started watching it and i was intrigued because he was coming out of aberystwyth where the horse whisperer went to university yes so it's an area we know quite well and, and mm. really enjoyed the, the time we were there uh, and i thought well, i wonder why he's doing this so anyway this i think was number 12 so i thought oh well, there's obviously another 11 beforehand which there was and then there's the story of how he got the boat so he's got a it's in late mid to late 70s uh, boat that was on a light ship that a mate of his was restoring as a house so he said to his mate what are you doing with the the boat and he went no oh, i'm gonna get rid of it he said well can i take it and it was very it was in a poor state yeah so he's taken that and he's restored all the tubes got all those working got the engine running sweetly done lots of repairs added a whole load of electronic kit on it and mm. um, Obviously, at the point where he said, can I have the boat? The idea of going around the UK was already festering in his mind. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, because he talks about it for, for right from the off. So he starts in London. I think he lives in London. And the guy is a film director and a stop frame animator, which you see quite a lot of. So mm. the production qualities of, of these videos is just superb. But he uses a lot of drone footage as well. Yeah. So you get this brilliant, and he seems to only do it in nice weather, yeah. brilliant big vistas of him going across the sea with a, a very dramatic drone footage. So if you like a bit of boating, or you like a bit of history, because as he's going around, he's pointing out things on the shore that you possibly wouldn't see from the land. Oh. So certainly around Wales, yeah, there's some odd little buildings and they stop in the most amazing places. They camp overnight on the Isle of Wight, go to the Silly Isles, which I've never been to. Which the Silly Isles? Gorgeous. Silly Isles, they're off Land's End. I did not even know they existed. Yeah, and it's a 
Archipegio, as they call it. So it's a set of islands. Mm. And the, the water was just glorious colour. It's, it's somewhere that I will go to because it just looks so good. Not sure I'm going to go in a four metre rib. No, I'd probably go in a slightly bigger boat. Yeah, the problem with this series for me is I'm watching it thinking, we've got an inflatable boat, which <laughs> is a very, very similar story where a, uh, I think it was a diving club were throwing it out. So a mate of mine got it, used it for a couple of years, then bought a big rib and he said, I'm going to take it to the dump. Do you want it? Yeah, I'll take it. So you have to pump it up mid-journey because yes. there's a few holes in it, but that's all fixable. And it's sort of been on my mind that maybe that's a good project, get that out and get that going again. Get it fixed over the summer. Yeah, get it fixed and then go and do some, not all the way around the UK. But no, but some little trips out to places. Trips. Chichester Harbour's quite nice because it's big mm. and it's if you don't go too far, it's quite calm as well. So I think I might be doing a bit of that. Bit of boating be, action. Bit of boating should be quite nice. Mm. But if you want to watch it, if you search for Harry Dwyer, and his surname's D W Y E R, he's a very charismatic chap. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I would say that he probably ought to keep a fire extinguisher when he works on the engine, <laughs> as there is a, there is an incident. And it oh is, my god! Okay. Yeah, and it is terrifying. Um, he, yeah. <laughs> really really quite terrified but uh, all was okay in the end just a bit of burnt wiring and tubing but, um, oh god was he in the boat though at the time like moving no he was trying Fixing. to fix a problem with the engine create a fuel leak took the uh, lead off the spark plug and as he put it back again it caused the spark and landed outside the engine and then it, it went up God, and, uh, that's an explosion waiting to happen. Well, fortunately, he had the foresight to move to go and move the petrol tank, which is basically just sat in the boat. So he moved mm. that, and then a passerby went, "Oh, you're in trouble!" And, <laughs> and amazingly, yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, amazingly, they managed to put it out with a hose, which oh, water's not the right thing to put out. Not for a, a fuel fire. fire, yeah. No, so uh, so if you want a top tip. A fire stick is the thing to have because they're nice and small and they'll put anything out. A fire like a, stick? Yeah, it's like a big match. It's got two ends. You take both ends off and you strike one against the other and then it just spurts out fire, putting out stuff. Hmm, interesting. Very, they're not cheap. I just bought one for the camper van, which will do 100 seconds of oh, wow, okay. fire putting out, um, which is much more than uh, any fire extinguisher we've had. Yes. And it will do anything, electrical, oil, petrol. Camping chair. Camping chair. You name it. Talking about the water, have you heard of square waves? No, but that's that can't be a thing. It is a thing. No, um, it can't be. No, it is. It is definitely a thing. And interestingly, we've been to the place where they're most likely to occur, uh, which is near La Rochelle in France. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it happens when there's two weather systems colliding. <gasps> and the sea looks, it looks like... Um, a chessboard. That's got mad. Ridges. It is absolutely mad. And what they're saying is, if you get stuck in there, you're in a lot of trouble because it's very difficult to get out. Yeah, because I bet it's pushing from all directions, really. Well, to create square waves, it's it's got to be a bit strange, isn't it? Because you've you've almost got equal yeah. forces in two different directions. So uh, I'll post a picture of the. Oh, I'll nick one for the sun and put it on. The socials because it yeah, because that is crazy. Amazing sight. It is. That is um, not what I, I was expecting it to look like. Uh, there's one further down, which is actually 
a little bit more concerning because you can see an eddy current almost in the water, uh, which is the things that can pull you down if you're swimming uh, and you're not going to survive that very well. But it, uh, whether it's a common sight or not, I don't know. But apparently, mm. according to the Sun, tourists flock to the French island to see the strange sight. Well, as long as they're going to look and not try and swim in, then they're fine. I, I would have thought so. The, the oddity mm. is we've been to that island and we swam on that beach. So, <laughs> and it was quite, well, I think the weather was coming in one direction. It was quite, uh, quite rough at the time. Mm. That was many, many years ago. Anyway, talking of travel, you've got some sweets from a trip Duck Boy's just Yes, Duck Boy's just been in New York. And very nice. I did say I didn't want any gifts, but he knows better than than to not actually get me any gifts. (laughs) Quite. (laughs) The boy's not a fool. The boy's not a fool. So he got me a New York City jumper that's really cute, but he also bought me back some snacks. And that is what I want in my life. Just the snacks. Very well. So the first thing he got me was animal crackers, which I've heard of, but I've never had in my life. Because they're American, probably. But I have been to America. Are they covered with chocolate on one the, side? No, they're not. That's what we have as like animal yeah. biscuits. They're not. They're oh, literally okay. animal crackers, Barnum's and a big old packet. Yeah, that is a big old packet. Yeah. So, so Barnum's, presumably, was the circus man, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, so it's Barnum's Animal Crackers. Anyway, I have always wanted to try these, so that was actually a good win from him. And the best way to describe them is they taste like lemon-rich teas. Ooh. Yeah, they're really... I was very impressed. They're really, really tasty. And they're obviously in animal shapes. They're very, like well-defined animals let me see if i can find one for you actually you might want to edit out this rustling though oh maybe not oh maybe oh i saw uh orange marshall 2 over the weekend yes and he was very impressed with this squirrel attack (laughs) (laughs) it probably took my distraction my attention away that did (laughs) i did tell him i had to edit quite a bit out yeah i was looking at it for a really long time Did I ever actually send you the pictures of that? No, you didn't. No. I will, because it's he's like hanging on the side. Anyway, we won't talk about the squirrel again. We're talking okay. about the animal crackers. Oh, yes. Can you tell what this is? That looks like... A th- ooh, it's sort of a cross between an elephant and a hippo. It's an elephant, yeah. So they taste like lemon-rich teas, really good. So then I thought, oh, I wonder what's in them, because I see online quite a lot videos of people comparing what's in american food to like the same item but in the uk and the differences in ingredients are a bit mad so the first ingredient is unbleached enriched flour oh unbleached is good yeah yeah so that's why i was like oh okay i was like oh unbleached at least it's not bleached so that was i guess a positive because it's not got bleach in it and then a whole load of stuff explaining what enriched flour is yeah i was going to say what's it enriched with so it's wheat flour reduced iron reduced iron yeah thiamine the fact i can't say it worries me thiamine mono mon monotrate vitamin b that doesn't sound like fun oh vitamin b is good yeah folic acid that's probably good Mm. but then the other things and what caught my eye is it says good source of calcium 
on the bottom. So I was like, oh, there's going to be milk in, in there somewhere. You would think. Yes. Reading through the ingredients, there's calcium carbonate. Then in brackets of that, source of calcium. <laughs> oh. So there's no actual milk in it. No lemon, even though it tastes like lemon. But there is artificial flavouring, but it doesn't tell you what flavouring. So I assume it's, that's come from that. So anyway, and it also contains bioengineered food ingredients. I hate to think what that could be. So I've been eating them. I ate quite a few yesterday. And I have, I will like to confirm, I have a funny tummy today. So... Oh, that's not so good. Not so good. But then... I also, one of my favourite is like Twizzlers. So it's like strawberry flavoured licorice things. Oh, okay. They're similar to a red vine. And I know they have them okay. sometimes on the Big Bang where they drink out of them. They bite the ends off and oh, then okay. drink through them. They're one of Sheldon's favourites. So then I thought, oh, look at the ingredients on these because I get these here quite a lot. And the first ingredient is enriched wheat flour. Oh, unbleached. But it's not unbleached. It's not unbleached, it's bleached. <laughs> I was like, oh God, so now I'm definitely eating bleached wheat flour, I presume, because it doesn't well, specify that it's unbleached like the other one does. I, I think what we can say, listeners, is basically don't eat sweets or biscuits. From America. Well, it'd be interesting to do a comparison with the ingredients for similar stuff Items. here. Mm. Mm. Talking of food, I uh, was a restaurant recently. Oh, it was the Everyman restaurant. And I noticed they have to put the calorie counts on food now. Mm. And it's it's interesting because the food that you think would be fewer calories, sometimes it's quite high. Yeah. I see a lot of that on nutritionist pages talking about diets and things. Actually, sometimes dieting food, if you're having a cheat day, you can still keep your calories down, but having your little treats. Yeah, but I, the thing that bothers me is, you know, you go, say there's a superfood salad, for example, which mm. tends to be quite high. And I suspect it's high because it has something like avocado in it, yeah. which is relatively high in calories, but it's extremely good for you. Yes. So you go, oh, no, look, the burger's less. I'll have the burger. Yeah. Fewer calories, I'll have the burger. Mm-hmm. But actually, the superfood salad will be nutritionally better for you because yeah. it's got stuff in it that's good for you rather yeah. than the burger, which isn't quite as good for you. I'm not Just dissing, lowering calories. I'm not dissing meat or anything, but I, I would have said the superfood salad. Mm. Something that's got lots of different coloured food in it is going to be more nutritional beneficial to you than something that hasn't. Yeah. For a few reasons, I don't agree that restaurants should put calories on their menus. I, I think for the... the Number one reason for me is it causes guilt. Yes. And also causes lots of issues for people with mental health yes. issues. Yeah, I, I think it's a very bad idea. And I, I, I don't know. Is there an advantage in it? Well, the reason they do it is they're trying to reduce obesity across the line. But actually, from the point you just said, they're going to then pick a burger, which actually isn't nutritionally good for them. It's not as good for that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not suggesting that meat is not good for you because I know, you know the whole vegan movement and all sorts of <laughs> to do with farmers and our evil. That isn't, I don't consider that to be the case at all. And, no. But a burger and chips over a salad isn't 
as good as nutritionally good oh, you, for you. No, you can't you can't compare the calories on them because they are diff- different foods. Mm. Yeah, so I think we're both in favour of removing those. We are, yes. Uh, we agree. We agree I, on that one. I think if you if you try and make a decision like that based on a single metric, it's bound to be the wrong metric. And I think that's a very good case in point. Where if you're deciding what to eat based purely on the number of calories it's not the right thing to do no and I, and I see it time and time again and I'm seeing it at the moment where uh, projects I'm working on they say well it's going very slowly so we'll throw more people at it so it'll speed up well it's not going to speed up for another three months because somebody has to bring those people up to speed train them make sure they know what they're doing uh, uh, while you're doing that you can't be pushing work through mm. so too too much focus on single simple to calculate metrics is the wrong thing. Yeah. But uh, we've spoken about that in the past. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, in better news... Yes. In better news, in uh, Alabama, a two-and-a-half-year-old bloodhound was let out for a pee and accidentally joined a half-marathon <laughs> and came seventh. It... Good work. <laughs> yes, very good work. Did the uh, the human running after it come eighth? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think she just slipped slipped away. To be honest, and spotted the people running and just joined in. Oh, and it um, looks like it's having the best time. It does, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, presumably, it's How full of lots of smells. Yeah, really, really nice looking dog. It's like all these people uh, are running with me. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Yeah, and they even gave her a medal, which is brilliant. Oh, love that. Yeah, so that's a lovely bloodhound called Luduvine. Luduvine. Very strange name, but um, I always think when you name a pet, you have to imagine standing in the park shouting it. Shouting yes. Shouting at it. Yeah, so some friends of ours renamed their cats because of that. Oh, did they? <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, Oh, it was Anthony and Cleopatra they decided to name the cats and then discovered next door neighbour's name was Anthony. Oh, so that every time they were shouting for the cat. (laughs) So have you got a lippy top tip? I do have a lippy top tip, yes. I did kind of briefly mention it though. So did you? Yes. Oh, well, I've forgotten. (laughs) Uh, So my lippy top tip this week is... That if your partner tells you they don't want something, mainly a snack or like something from a shop, get it anyway. Just get something anyway. Okay. So I said to you that I don't want any Christmas, uh, birth Christmas presents, birthday presents. Mm. So what have you bought me then? You're not my partner. So. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Easy. <laughs> uh, oh, I said the same to wife of Grumpy, so I'm expecting. Well, I can't speak for wife of Grumpy. Um, she no, may we've had, a no, we've had a no present rule for a number of years now. Yes, which actually never seems to act- ever happen. You always get each no, other presents. Really? Well, I've got, yeah, I, no, I, no, it doesn't oh. happen. So it does happen, rather. Uh, I think the first year there was, um, I, there was the, I know I said I wasn't going to buy you a present, but mm. I bought you these, which I got. We're trying to introduce that rule, but not no present, just a budget for the presents. That's a very good idea. Especially with the wedding, because we're saving. It's one reason. The second reason is Doug Boy likes to buy stuff and, like, useless stuff. And I'm, like, opening half these things, like, 
I don't, when would I ever use this? Oh, like, why you use this? Yeah, like cactus magnets. How, we don't we don't have anything magnetic to stick them to because our oh, fridge door is attached to the cupboard door. Yes. So I have nothing magnetic to put them on. Yes, that does make it a bit tricky. Yeah. Now, my fun fact is a nautical one. There's a bit of a nautical theme through there is. this week's Lots episode. Water. Purely by chance. No planning's got into that whatsoever. No. Anyway, New Zealand dolphin called Polaris Jack became famous for escorting and guiding ships out of the French Pass a notoriously dangerous channel used by ships, presumably somewhere near New Zealand. For 24 years between 1888 and 1912, it helped sea vessels travel safely, so much so that ships would wait for its arrival. When a passing ship wounded him, New Zealand passed a law to protect him. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Whales are very clever. They are very clever. I think sea creatures generally um i want i really want to know what the first person that it escorted thought it must have been like what on earth is this whale doing well why would you follow a whale or maybe they happened to follow it because they knew where they were going i went "Ooh, the whale knows where it's going as well it's a dolphin isn't it oh it's a dolphin (laughs) oh it's been a long week and it's only it's only tuesday Dolphins are quite clever as well as whales. Dolphins are super clever, yeah. (laughs) I think whales are more clever. I'm going to go now. (laughs) That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.